Welcome to the Run for God Run Club, where you will find God in a runner's space. Welcome to the Run for God Run Club. This is your one stop each week to be motivated and inspired to get off the couch and onto the running trail where you can, in turn, inspire others to do the same. Let's learn, laugh, and leap into running together, giving God the glory for what we're able to do in His name. Amen. Well, I'm your running host, Dean Thompson. When we see and hear about a lot of serious health setbacks, we're going to talk about one today and the perspective we should have when or if it happens to you or somebody you know. Then we're going to talk about not giving up before you even get started and joining me for those stories and so much more is once again, Run for God founder, Mitchell Hollis. Thanks for having me, Dean. It's been a good week, huh? It has. You know, I'm sitting here looking out the window, and I'd say we're a week away from peak fall colors around here, which is my favorite time of year. Absolutely. Uh, Cool mornings, kind of warm afternoons. It's supposed to get a little bit warmer this week, but um, yeah, this is my favorite time of year by far. Yeah. How was your week? I don't enjoy the the after the colors are gone. And I've got to clean up all those leaves in my yard. Yeah. But other than that, I really like yeah. <laughs> enjoy it. Yeah, you know, sometimes you got to jump and play in the leaves. That's right. Like a little that's, kid. That's right? right. Yeah, my dog loves to do that. I we'll, bet. We'll get a big pile of leaves, and she will take a running start, and she'll just dive and just disappear into yeah. the leaves and come out the other side. Yeah. She loves it. It's great stuff. Yep. Um, yeah, and we've had a chance to get in some chilly runs, right? Yeah. It's been a little cool, and so uh, that's been nice. Yeah, these mornings has been – they've been – it's been just right. Debbie, Debbie kind of rained on my parade yesterday. I said, you know, I, I really feel like my fitness level has increased a lot in a short period of time over this last month. I'm feeling so <laughs> much better when I get out to run. And she says, well, you think that's because it's cooler? <sighs> Don't you love it. that? It's kind of like that time I swam downstream and I was all stoked about my, my swim time <laughs> and come to find out the, the dam was open a lot wider than they, they normally do at that time. And my <laughs> wife let me know that. <laughs> it's all good. All right. Well, how about a Facebook post from this past week? It comes from Countdown Mary, uh, Mary Pavluk Priolo. She said, for where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. Matthew eighteen twenty. Why do you run club? Read that again. I'll wait. Why do you run club in an activity that is so individualized in a sport that more often than not, you are competing against yourself or at worst a clock? Why do we join run club? Whether it be hashtag run for God or local club or even a national run club. Why do you run club? For me, it has become more than the running. It's the community. In general, being part of a shared space, whether physical or virtual, which gives people the chance to be inspired, solve problems, share humor, vent their frustrations, and share their achievements. People who stay within a community are the ones that agree passionately with its values and with these shared beliefs, trust, and togetherness. There's no limit to what they can do for their community. Bringing together like-minded people who are headed for the same goal undoubtedly nurtures a rewarding and engaging community. This beloved community here in Run for God does all the above for me and then some. What started out as merely a chance advertisement on Facebook that prompted me to a goal I never knew I had has now become one of the most important communities in my life. 
a group that I am able to stalk virtually, sharing volumes or sharing stories of our running journey, friends that I am able to text, message, and video chat, sharing stories of our lives. And after three years, a family who I get to meet up with a few times a year to share fellowship, break bread, laugh, cry, praise God together, and somewhere in the mix, run a race or two. If you're at the point where you're only stalking folks online, I highly encourage you to reach out and make real and lasting connections with people on this page. Maybe start regional group meetups, run together, eat together, share together. For me, Run Club is so much more than just a run club. Of course, be safe and make good decisions on when and where you meet people you don't know yet. But take a chance. You never know what lasting friendships and family God will lead you to. So, why do you run club? First of all, I love Countdown Mary. Um, <laughs> she she's kind of endearing to 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 our team. Yeah. But I sent this message to to Kevin and and Travis yesterday. I said, you know, this is what. This is what Run Club is all about. And it is. She just, she basically in, in a couple of paragraphs just embodied what Run Club is all about. And the crazy thing is, what was the last on her list? The running. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's all, all this other <laughs> it's stuff. All, oh, it's all, and, and everything. We'll get in a race or yeah. Two. And it's, yeah. I mean, it's so true. I've seen the pictures of Mary meeting up with people and mm-hmm. she really has, um, taken full advantage of I want to say what we offer, but so much of it is not really what we're we're offering. Yeah. We're, we're we're providing the uh, the atmosphere that for these things to take place. But she's taking full advantage of that, and she she said it's the most important community in her life. That's incredible. I mean, that's that's very humbling. Yeah, for us to sit here Absolutely. and to to be part of that, mm-hmm. but. So for all of you out there who are, are a member of this club and you're just kind of sitting back and, and stalking, yes, that's one of the things that Mary said, but the biggest thing is getting engaged and, yeah. and getting to know people and messaging people. And she's right. You got to, you got to be careful, but you know, we, we do a, a really good job of vetting people. We don't just let anybody in, especially to the, the social pages. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, it's validating to me. To, to hear stories like Mary's and to hear the comments like Mary's that, um, you know, we've been saying it a lot around here lately. There's a lot more than running going on here, and it's it's really cool to see. Yeah, you know, we pray. I mean, before we do this podcast, we pray for God to use us in a, in, a, in a way that is glorifying to him. And it's good to know that the stuff that we do, we work pretty hard sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of, a lot of hours and sure. putting stuff together and doing. And it's so good to see this kind of a message yeah people really appreciate all that and um yeah it just feels good to be part of any group it is that loves and supports you and i just don't know i don't know that i've ever been part of a group that was that a group of people that didn't really know you know family obviously is one thing you know your church that you hang out with Mm -hmm. every week that that's one thing but this is a group of people from all over the country that before didn't know each other well and not only that it's it's completely different backgrounds i mean yeah i you know i can i know i can say we've got people from all different backgrounds all ages all ethnicities all political views but 
none of that matters. Nope. I mean, I don't know. I mean, we've had to take some things down in the in the on the on the groups before because some few people have gotten out of line a time or two. But political talk, a lot of the things that you're hearing in the media today that is just completely dividing our country, you don't hear that. Nope. And not to say that people don't have different views. They do. But this isn't the place for it, and they know it. And and we can all get along. You know, you and I have completely different views on some things. Mm -hmm. But in the end, that doesn't matter. Yeah. We love each other. We're friends and, and we, we choose to focus on what brings us together than, rather than what divides us. That's right. And that's, it's awesome to see that every time I log on to run club, it's just so encouraging to see because, you know, I've gotten to know some people and, and you kind of know, you know, a little bit about their background just by talking to them, but that's yeah. not the focus. And, and our society wants to make that the focus nowadays. Yeah, and so much of what we do is neg- negative. I, good example. Um, you know, I, I, I stalk the let's run message board sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, and there's a lot of stuff on there not running related, but <laughs> the people on there are so, I mean, if you post something and let's just say, let's say you're struggling with something and you post it on that page. You're going to get hammered. Oh my goodness. They are just, so I know that runners in general, have the propensity right. to be pretty negative and pretty condemning and, and that kind of thing. It never happens. It just doesn't right. happen. It doesn't on, on, on the run club page. You just don't see it. You see yeah. when somebody's struggling, it's like they get that much more support behind them saying, you got this. You're good. And it's just so good to see people building each other up. Yeah. So yeah. And you know, the, the, this day and time, we, I've heard this, I don't know how many times about the news. The news is so negative. We need somebody to, to come out with a positive news source. And you know what happens when they do that? It fails because they've done it. There have been several people who have tried to do all positive news and nobody wants to watch it. Mm-hmm. But this is different. Mm-hmm. This positiveness draws people to it. And, mm-hmm. um, and that's just such a, such a cool thing. It is. So the point being, if you're not a run club member, yeah, we're not we're not kidding about what we're saying here. There's a lot more than running going on here. So go to runforgod.com, hit the join button. Um, we we were about to start kicking off all the promotion for the Couch to Marathon 2024 slash five, um, and we'll be announcing the graduation race there pretty soon. So um, we'll have a flood of new members coming in this fall, but uh, but go go get signed up now. Go ahead and get involved and start making friends in here. Absolutely. Well, our trivia question from last week was, what is the best-selling book about running of all time? Is this what you thought? It is. You mentioned the book Over My Shoulder, but the book Over My Shoulder is Lore of Running. Yeah, I was thinking it was Born to Run. Yeah, I thought thought that was the case. Yeah. Yeah. That's why when you when you said it last week, I was like, "Oh, what book is over my right shoulder?" And then when I got back home, I thought, "Oh, that's not the book that's over right. my right yeah. shoulder." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was thinking it was Born to Run for some reason. Yeah, but yeah. This is this is the one I thought Christopher McDougall. Yeah, the, this again, Christopher McDougall. He wrote this book. It is a fun book to read. 
Um, you know, and I found, I found several places where this is listed. I don't know how many copies it sold because I found places that said, well, Wikipedia says over 3 million copies. Um, I found another place that said it's only sold like 500,000 copies. I don't, it's sold a bunch. Yeah. And I'm sure this is the number one book. Um, so, uh, I, I think the second best selling book is probably more controversial, which one it may be. I think it is probably Jim Fix's The Complete Book of Running. It came out and I think it was 1978. Um, or maybe, maybe the early 80s. I, it was somewhere around the, around 80. Uh, but that book was huge. It kind of kicked off the running boom. I mean, it was, what was funny is that it was the complete book of running, and then there was Jim Fix's <laughs> second book on running. Yeah. So yeah, wasn't quite complete. The most complete book on yeah. running. Well, this is what it says in Wikipedia. In Born to Run, McDougal tracks down members of the reclusive Tarumara native Mexican tribe in, Mex- in the Mexican Copper Canyons. Beyond hyperbole, he writes, In Tarumara land, there was no crime, war, or theft. There was no corruption, obesity, drug addiction, greed, wife beating, child abuse, heart disease, high blood pressure, or carbon emissions. They didn't get diabetes, depressed, or even old. After being repeatedly injured as a runner himself, McDougal marveled at the tribe's ability to run ultra distances over a hundred miles at incredible speeds without getting the routine injuries of most American runners. The book has received attention uh, in the sporting world for McDougal's description of how we overcame injuries by modeling his running after the Tarumara. He asserts that modern cushion uh, cushioned running shoes are a major cause of running injury, pointing to the thin sandals worn by the Tarumara runners and the explosion of running-related injuries since the introduction of modern running shoes in 1972. Alongside his research into the Tarumara, McDougall delves into why the human species, unique among primates, has developed traits for endurance running. He promotes the endurance running hypothesis, arguing that humans left the forest and moved to the savannas by developing the ability to run long distances in order to literally run down prey. Now that last part, we yeah. know God designed <laughs> us the right. way he designed us on purpose. Yeah. Um, but that's, and it, it's, it's such a cool thing because he takes this, the, the idea of the running shoes and how we run and the form that we run and the natural way our body is meant to run. And this group of, super athletes out mm-hmm. in in mexico and he kind of weaves two or three different stories together throughout the thing and it's so seamless mm-hmm. a lot of times i read books and they'll try to do that and it's a little clunky in places in this one i just never feels clunky mm-hmm. just just moves along so smoothly i think it's masterfully written yeah i've i've never read the book i know the book well i've i've read excerpts from the book but to me it all makes sense i mean what what he was trying to to explain makes a lot of sense in that you know barefoot running or minimalist running it it does it's going to expose some bad form you know running Mm -hmm. barefooted it hurts if you run wrong so learning to run if you're if you're running barefoot we've even had young athletes that we said take your shoes off go on the football field and run what 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 happened was the problem it started this or or i know a few people that read this book and they're like throwing their shoes away. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking of one person in particular that you probably know who I'm talking about. And he was like, he went and bought Vibrams, you know, the yep. Vibram five finger yep. 
basically it's just a piece of rubber on your foot. And that's not the right answer too, because, you know, yes, it can correct your form. And if you eased into that, that might be one thing. But if you've been running, it's kind of like I've always said, the worst thing that could happen to a professional golfer that has a bad uh, swing is to get lessons. Yeah. Because you, you'll completely trash it. So, yes, if you if you were to take a child and teach them how to run using the principles in Born to Run and, and the, the mentalist, that's one thing. But to read this book and then decide, I'm going to throw away my running shoes, it's probably not the best answer yeah. either. Yeah, I agree um, with that. And and the proof of that is in minimalist shoes pretty much gone away yeah to this point now that because they were hurting a lot of people they, they were you know they were hurting a lot of people and and it's not it, it, running barefoot has its advantages and i think it's good actually to run barefoot occasionally mm-hmm. of course you need to find grassy soft places to do it because um i, I saw a kid the other day where was i at i can't remember where I, but i was watching a kid run barefoot and he's running across rocks and stuff there's mm-hmm. just no way yeah my feet are too tender for that yeah. but anyway um yeah, this is it's it's but the book talks about that and and it's kind of dated as it relates to the those types of shoes. But, man, the book is just masterfully written. If you haven't read it, um, it's it's a good one. Um, of course, my favorite book continues to be Once a Runner. Mm-hmm. I'll stick by that one. Yeah, but I've not read that one either. No, I've not, I've not read many running books. Once a I've, Runner. I've read a about a lot of them, but I've yeah. never really dug in and read a lot of them. I'm, you're you're a little bit more geeky in that realm than well than me. i started reading running i mean i literally <laughs> read the complete book of running you know pretty close to the time it came out so <laughs> i've been doing run, reading running books for a long time yeah yeah <laughs> do you struggle with motivation to exercise are you looking for something that will challenge you and inspire and motivate you the run for god run club is just what you need to get off the couch and on your way to a fitter healthier you Stop trying to get into better shape and do it with the help and inspiration of thousands of others who are going through the same challenges you face. Whether you are participating in the Couch to Marathon Challenge or any of our other challenges, or you're just looking for a daily pick-me-up to get active, join the Run for God Run Club today. You can join for as little as 27 cents a day. So what are you waiting for? Get started today at runforgod.com. We're back. A couple of things. First of all, if, if you, we were talking about joining Run Club. If you're not a part of Run Club, one thing that you do also get with Run Club is not just the community, but you also get Thursday nights. Thursday nights, we come on live and we talk about a particular running subject. Mm-hmm. Um, we're talking about food the, this this past week, and so um, and, and our diets and kind of how God looks at our diets. And so sometimes it's kind of Bible related, um, but but also running related and sometimes it's just pure running stuff right. and so uh it's it's good information i think sure uh, of course i'm a little biased mm. because i'm presenting it but but i think it's good the other thing i want to say is we need stories yeah we are running low on stories so if you haven't submitted your story and you've just kind of had it on the tip of your tongue or the end of your fingers mm-hmm. uh, go ahead and get that thing submitted and send it to us and it probably won't take long before you're on the podcast so yeah. send it to us quickly all right well um 
I saw a recent post that asked this question. Why do so many people call a structured run a fart lick? And I love seeing this post because you know me. This is a pet peeve of mine. And it was so Just good. one of many. Yes, that's true. That's true. Um, but, you know, I, I just – a fart lick is a very particular kind of run. Sure. And some people say, you know, they're going to run – you know, two minutes hard, one minute easy and alternate that. And they call that a fartlek run. And that's not a fartlek run. That is an interval run. And it bugs me when people call it a fartlek run. <laughs> I don't know why, but see, I would be the person to, to do that. I, right. You know me. I would be yeah. the person to say, I'm going to go out and do two, three and I'm going to, it's going to be a fartlek run. Yeah. I would be that person. You would be. Cause it's two different kinds of people. So the question I've got. Yeah. And this is, this is probably going to make us dive off into, an abyss that we can't get out of. At what point does it become an interval run and not a fartlek? Because many times you go out to do a fartlek and you say, I'm going to run from that mailbox. I'm going to do power poles, for instance. Yeah. Well, the the second you See, identify I, I what argue, it is, it's, it's I an argue, interval. I argue that's intervals at that point. Fartlek is completely unstructured. Fartlek means I go out and I haven't decided how fast or how long I'm going to run at any particular pace. I don't even know what paces I'm going to run at. But just, you may not know you're going to run those power poles until you go out. Yes. So but, at what point? At what point does it become? Interval? If it's not consistent all the way through the run. In other words, if I'm running power poles for a mile mm-hmm. and then I'm running to mailboxes on the next one or something else, then I, to me, then it's a fartlek. Yeah. But. I, I typically just go out there when, if I'm doing a fartlek run, a true fartlek run, I'm just going to go out and I'm just going to run and I'm going to go, okay, it's time to pick it up and I'll pick it up and I'll run hard and I'll determine as I go, how hard do I want to run and how long do I want to run? Is that right brain, left brain? Yeah, maybe so. I don't know. Cause you know me, I'm playing spotting 80. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's true. You are. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I get it. I get it. But I also think, you know, you can kind of, you can kind of have a fart lick planned out in your head before you walk out the door. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that's something we'll probably never agree on. Well, what some people, here's the way some people look at it. And, and I think this, this is the way most people look at it is if I'm running on the track, it's intervals. And if it's off the track and it's, if it's based on distance, it's intervals. But if it's based on time, it's fart lick. I think that's the way a lot of people look at it. So if I'm running three minutes on, one minute off, that's a fartlek run. If I'm running one, you know, one case with a 400 jog, then that's. So that's I would probably fine. say if it's not on the schedule. Yeah. If it's, if it's just labeled fartlek run and there's no structure for it on the schedule and you're headed out the door and you have it in your head that you're going to do this. Yeah. That's a fartlek run. Yeah. Um, <laughs> fartlek run is also one of those that you get a you get a laugh out of all the kids especially the middle school cross country team when you mention that that's true everybody gets a laugh yeah. out of so it's a fun word to say it, it does have that advantage <laughs> yeah all right well this week's story comes from a super nice guy um i think he's been at two our last two races I've met him a few times yeah yeah um at least and he's uh, he's got he's got a great smile positive attitude and um this story will explain kind of where he's coming from this comes from Brad Reader and it's called New Heart. My title sounds very dramatic, something like a heart transplant, maybe. While the truth may not be that dramatic, the impact is the same, even though the transformation started much earlier than my events. The background is this. 
At 41 years of age, I had a stroke and a clot was formed in my head. The stroke event was not stress-induced and it really came out of the middle of nowhere. I have always been athletic and I thought in decent shape. This season was no different. I, had, I hadn't started running like I am today at that point in my life, but I was at least getting out a couple of times a week uh, to get after it a little. The day I had the stroke, it was Father's Day and my anniversary. I was waiting to be seated for dinner with my wife and daughter. The adverse effect was purely with my vision. Things started getting blurry and my eyes were going a little silly. Talk about ruining a good day with my wife. Heck, I had just left the golf store where I was looking at putters. Long story short, the night of the event, a CT scan didn't show anything unusual at the hospital, so it was just diagnosed as an atypical migraine by the team at the ER. I don't get migraines, so this was new for me, but since I started feeling better and my vision returned to normal 90 minutes after it started going sideways, we were okay with the thought. It wasn't until 11 days later that I had an MRI and revealed, that revealed the clot. To get closer to the end of the story, the clot was determined to be a result of a hole in my heart. I had a PFO procedure a couple of, more, a couple of months later to put a little piece of nickel and titanium in my heart to close a tiny hole in it. So that's the medical side of the story. By God's grace, I haven't had any issues since then and have since started running more. Desiring not to take any of it for granted, I have challenged myself physically to a consistent pattern of running. It started with ramping up the number of runs a week to then getting a little longer distance each run. I doubled my mileage output from 2019 to 2020 to over 1,500 miles, and during 2022, I got over the 2,200-mile mark. Most recently, I am almost to day number 500 of a streak running at least a 5k each day averaging almost seven miles each day not once have i been forced to be inside thank god for being in northwest georgia where the climate allows me to be outdoors even though i did get out a couple of days when it was in single digits while it's not day 5000 like dean is getting close to minus his one day off it's still something that i can only attribute to god's blessings so my new patched up heart is most especially on a spiritual journey. The change of my heart of stone, the work of the new covenant and transformation when I am made new in the image of Christ. Thank God for transformation. Excuse me. Thank God for another opportunity to take a breath, love and serve those around me. I so thank him for an understanding wife, two children and the spirit. He has placed inside me and many of us. Lord willing, I'll keep the streak going and the heart will continue pumping as expected. But if God has other plans, we will rejoice in that as well. It's a great story, Brad. Yeah. We always like to comment on how uh, how young people are when old people things happen to them. So having a stroke <laughs> at 41, you know, it's always that's always oh, he was so young. That's our first thought whenever that happens. Um but I, it crosses my mind sometimes, you know, that, gosh, when somebody who is seemingly as healthy as Brad is, has something like this happen, you know, I, I take a look at my own life and I wonder, man, is it worth it mm -hmm. to, to keep myself in shape? And of course the answer is yes. Sure. We, this might have happened at 35 if right. Brad hadn't been, uh, hadn't been in pretty good shape. Um, but those are, those are things. 
Uh, but the greatest thing about this is how he realizes that it's all in God's plan. Mm-hmm. And that's what we all have to realize, right? Sure. Ezekiel thirty six twenty six. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove from you the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. He goes on to say, this one is self-explanatory. Thank God for trusting us with a new heart and not my selfish, hardened heart of flesh. Hmm. So the new heart he's talking about here is the projection of Jesus that is coming. He is the new covenant. And Ezekiel's talking about a time when the Israelites are going to come back to the promised land and things are going to be made new. And Jesus was the fulfillment of that promise, right? And let me bring up something here. It may sound a little harsh, um, but I struggle with this myself, so I'm really talking to myself. You know, if your heart doesn't change at the point that Jesus is part of your life, mm-hmm. you have to wonder if you have a new heart, mm-hmm. right? Um, so many times we see somebody who um, prayed a prayer, but their heart doesn't change. If you... If that was, if God comes in, your heart will change, period. And if it hasn't changed, you know, it's, it's a good idea to go back to the drawing board and take a look at, at that relationship, don't you say? Don't you think? I do. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> this is a hard subject to talk about because, you know, we're, you're not, you and I are not in the seat of a judging. Right. But you're right. Yeah. Um, scripture is pretty clear that, Repentance is turning away. It's an about face. Right. It's, it's an obvious change in somebody's heart. Now, does that mean that at some point you can't backslide as, as we like to call it? No, but <laughs> there's got to be a change. There's yeah. got to be a change in your heart. You know, that, that you, you may not act. The way you should immediately that there's, there are things that, you know, could take time to, to work out as far as your lifestyle and things like that. And that's why anytime that I'm, I'm asking the question, do you know that you know that you know, you know, especially if, if we're in a, in a time of prayer, I ask people to have that gut check. Mm-hmm. You know, what are you feeling inside right now? Because God will, God will confirm in your heart, many times in your gut, where you are. Do you have, when you hear those words, do you know that you know if you died today, where you'll spend eternity? Mm -hmm. That conjures up one of two feelings. Peace Mm -hmm. or consternation, stress, uh, worry. Yeah. Whatever, whatever adjective you want to put on, not adjective, whatever word you want to put on that, it's going to conjure up one or two sides. And it's a stark difference. Yep. I don't feel like, I don't feel like it can be, um, numb. You know, if you really sit down and you think about that question, you're going to have one of two things, peace or, or not peace. And that tells you all you need to know. You know, we can get into, did you say a prayer? Did you do this? Can you remember back when? All these different things, but, and, and I get why we ask those questions. 
But the real question is, what do you feel in your spirit? And, and for everybody out there listening right now, what are you feeling in your spirit when you hear me talk about this? Mm. You know, do you feel like you want to shut this podcast off because it's very uncomfortable? Yeah. Then that should tell you something. That should, that really tells you all you need to know. Yeah. Or do you have peace? And if you have peace, awesome. Yep. But if you don't, then that could be a spiritual problem. And if you feel like that's you, go to runforgod.com forward slash peace with God. We've got, we've got a lot of great resources there to help walk you through this. But I, you know, Billy Graham always said, you know, 50 per, he, he believed that up to 50% of the people sitting in churches mm-hmm. are not truly saved. They're, they, they really don't have peace when they hear that question. And many times they won't settle that because I've been in church my whole life. Um, I grew up in church. I'm a really good person. Why, why do I'm, this would be embarrassing for me to go before, go to the altar at this point. I'm, I'm a deacon in my church. Mm. You know, all these things that the devil will use to hold, to keep us sitting in that pew instead of going down and nailing down their salvation, he will throw at them. And, you know, I, I'm thinking of a person right now. You, you know who this person is. This person is probably listening to this podcast was a, was a leader in their church for mm-hmm. decades mm-hmm. and came to the foot of the cross. And that's, that is such, I mean, that was me. You know, I, I thought I was saved when I was a little boy and, you know, I, but I never had peace. Every time I heard these sermons and the sermon that finally brought me to the foot of the cross was a, a sermon that a guy was giving about the wheat, the weeds and the tares, the wheat and mm-hmm. the tares. And I realized I'm an imposter. Yeah. And I, I had that. I couldn't sit there anymore. And, and I went and it was immediate. Yeah. It was an immediate change. Now, did my lifestyle change immediately everything that I was doing? No. But your heart did. My heart did. And my, my heart to want to do better changed right then. And so over time, I did do better. Now, it's, it, you know, if you, people have habits that are, that are still hard to break even after salvation. And that's something many people have to work through. But the heart is the question, and the heart is something that you know when you hear that question. If you died today, where will you spend eternity? How does that question hit you? Mm-hmm. Are you at peace, or are you not at peace? And that's really all you need to know. Yeah, amen. Hebrews twelve one. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. He goes on to say, while I may not be running as far as some, it does take endurance to take that next step. It's a challenge and a hope that God will continue to provide the strength for that next step. Of course, you know, the beginning of the 12th chapter of Hebrews is right after the author runs through this example after example after example of what faith looks like, what good faith looks like, right? Um, and then he, he says, and then since we know all this about all these people and we have all of this in front of us, we, we, we should be ready, um, to accept Christ, to, to know what Christ can do for us, right? 
So I think about it a lot like it's it's like stepping to the, the, the starting line of a race. Mm-hmm. I've run so many races in my life. I know what to expect. I don't know what's coming in this race. Mm-hmm. I have no idea. It may be a great day. It may not be a great day. I don't know. But what I do know is all those other races I've run before, and I know that everything's going to be fine because I've got all that history. And that's kind of what he's talking about with our faith is we know that God's going to take care of us because he does take care of his own. Well, and he, and he did. I mean, yeah, chapter 11 is the what many people call the heroes of faith. And it's mm-hmm. it's talking about all the people who have gone before us, who have stepped out in faith in many instances, much more than what we may feel that we're being called to do. Mm-hmm. You know, people like Abraham, I mean, pack up and move. And I'm not telling you where you're going, Abraham. <laughs> it, He's, he's given us those examples. And then he's also saying there, there's people around us in our own life who are, um, sorry, that fire truck just really distracted me coming by right there. <laughs> there's people in our own life who are there to cheer us on. And that's why it's so important to surround ourselves with those people so that, so that we are encouraged not only by those who have gone before us in scripture, but those who are around us today. Mm hmm. Amen. First Timothy six, six and seven. But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. And he says, If we are not content with God, we will never be satisfied and constantly searching for something else to reach that high or scratch that itch. And this one hits home for me because you know me. We were just talking about this. I'm not always the most content. And most of the time it's because I'm trying to get to the next thing. Sure. And I'm trying to, and, and that's, if we're complaining, quite simply, we're not content, right? Yeah. And, um, and, and I, I, I tend to complain too much. Um, now there's righteous indig, there's some nice, righteous indignation. You know, Jesus had some times where he had some pointed things to say mm-hmm. a number of times. And, and that's okay. But I guess what you don't want to do is you don't want to confuse contentment with complacency. And I think mm-hmm. in my brain, that's where I have a difficult time mm-hmm. is I think if I'm not doing something, if I'm not saying something, then I'm, I'm being complacent mm-hmm. and that's not necessarily true. And, uh, and so that's just a, it's a challenge for me, uh, to try, to try to overcome that and realize that I'm not being complacent if I, don't react to something somebody said. But on the flip side of that, and, and this is the other side you have to look at, you know, having goals and desiring to do good and, and reach milestones is not a lack of contentment. Yeah. That's kind of the other side of right. that. Right. Um, we, we get those conflated. Um, contentment is being happy where God has you right now. You know, you may be striving to run whatever time in your next 5k and that's great but are you happy where god has you right now you you can you can still have a journey mm-hmm. but so many people i, I when, when as soon as you ask this question or you 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 made this statement at the end uh, for not content with god will never be satisfied and constantly search for something else to reach that higher scratch that itch i just started thinking about what is the majority of marketing out there right now. It's, it's telling, it's telling us that there's something to scratch that itch. Yep. And it's not out there. I mean, you think about, 
Um, gosh, I mean, you just think about all the wealthy people out there that, that you've heard of that have come to know Christ and that, that they said that yeah. I was trying to find that thing to scratch that itch, to fill that God size hole. And there's, there was nothing there. Mm-hmm. There was nothing there. The only thing that filled that hole was Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well said. Um, question. What parts of your stubborn, hard heart do you need to give up? Or another way to think about it. What weight or sin do you need to lay aside to make your race walk journey more like, more likely to be completed? You know, for me, I think it's still, it's, it's still my reaction to, to negative things. I have a hard time. You know, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the guy who reads messages on message boards and I can't hardly stand it. And I, I've got to, re- I have to react to it. And, um, you know, I'm getting better at it. God's yeah. working on me. You're sending less emails to CEOs. I'm saying, yeah, yeah. I still send emails. That's, that's a different, that's a whole different thing. They're worded better than they used to be. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, sometimes, sometimes you just want to lash out at, at the, the ridiculousness of the world, right? I mean, sometimes the world is just, it's gone crazy at times and you're like, what are people thinking? Mm-hmm. And sometimes it seems to me, to be so simple <laughs> and yet people are just off the reservation yeah and uh and i don't get it and so i have a hard time not reacting to that in a way that is hard-hearted y- y- there's a way to react to that and a way not to it's it's got to it has to and this is where it's hard this is where it's hard for me it's hard for you and, and i'll be honest I, I think my oldest son has really hammered this home into my head it has to come through the lens of love and that sounds so counterintuitive when when it comes to things like uh, setting the record straight about some kind of wrong or uh, setting the record straight about something that's just not biblical that we think is is being said. There's two ways for that message to come out of our mouth. There's one that comes across as we're hateful and we're we're looking for um, we're looking for some kind of justice. And we're mad, but you can do, you can have the same effect and do it in a loving way. I've, I have been corrected lovingly many times through the years. And those are the ones that really stand out the most to me. Yeah. When somebody comes up to me and says, Hey man, I love you, but you did this or you said this or those, those, those are the ones that hit home the hardest. Yep. Many times. But that's not our, or at least for me, I think I'm speaking for you. That's not our default. Right. For some people, that is their default. And, and we can learn a lot from those people. Yeah. Because you and I just want to lash out and, and rightfully so in many cases. But if you take it to God first, many times that, not many times. That is the filter of love. Yep. You can still get your message across. You can still sure. get that justice or, or make that right or, or say that thing, but it can come out in a completely different way and it will point people to Christ rather than many times what we do is Christ is nowhere in the picture of what we're saying. Right. Or it will actually turn people away from Christ. Yeah. And that's the hard part for me. Yeah. Well, it is for me. And, and here's my, my issue is <clears throat> let's take an athlete. 
for an athlete who's not getting the most out of themselves, but they think in their mind that they're getting the most, that they're doing the best they can, but I know they're not. I'm, I'm patient with that person, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's just, it's a perception issue. They have a hard time understanding, but their heart is, is aimed in the right direction. That person for me, I can be patient with. The person I can't be patient with is the person who is just like, just being belligerent. They, mm -hmm. they know they could do better, but they're just not going to do it because they mm -hmm. just don't feel like it. Right. And I have a really hard time with that person. But here's the thing. Those two people, it doesn't matter that there's a different motivation behind what they're doing or saying. It's the same thing. And you, you have to, I mean, number one, you have to stick by what it is that you're, that you're doing. So in, in this case, you have to continuously move down that road of we're trying to get better. Right. And that looks different for the person who thinks they're doing well, but they're, but, but they're not. And the person who's being belligerent about, I'm not going to do it. You got to handle those differently, mm -hmm. but both of them need to be handled in a way that is positive. Last week, Westbrook, Coach Westbrook, he brought up the fact that he had, you know, he had a couple of athletes who were, um, had a lot more in them, but they just didn't work hard. That was practice. classic. I'd never heard that story. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, he just basically would, he just decided he was just going to pull them out of the workout and just have them do something easy. And then he, he did that to wait for their response. Mm -hmm. And eventually they respond and say, you know, well, why, why aren't we doing what everybody else is doing? And his, his response was, well, I just figured you didn't want to run hard. It just looked like you didn't want to. And the only reason he, the only reason he was able to do that was because of a relationship. That's right. That's right. That's the only reason he knew to to treat that person those those two guys that way is yep. because he had a relationship, and that's that's so many times where we 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 like to skip that step. Yeah, you know, rather than call somebody and saying, "Hey, let's let's go talk about this," and let me kind of tell you what what God's laid on my heart. Instead, we want to hop on Facebook and blast somebody, yeah. and I, I'm guilty. Yeah. Maybe not of the Facebook part. I don't, I don't do that, but I'm, I'm, I'm guilty of popping off or sending a text I shouldn't send. And, um, that, if you go through that filter of love and you've prayed about it, you've not sent that email when you have it typed. Yeah. Did you know that there's, I'm, I'm chasing a rabbit here. Did you know that you can unsend a text now? Uh, <laughs> yes. But I didn't know that. It depends on how long. I yeah, think. yeah. There's all kind of things. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. You can unsend a text, and it's for it's for us. Yeah, yeah. that's for me and you. Well, I tried to do that recently, but she, <laughs> it she, was too she long. Had read it. So. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean that's that's if we could do more of that. Yeah, absolutely. We would be a much better society. We would. Another question. Are you using your resources wisely from an eternal perspective, not just the now? Really? He had to ask this question. <laughs> um, he's, he's meddling here, right? Yeah. Um, to me, and this is like saying, are you doing enough for God? And of course, you know, the answer is always going to be no, we're not. Uh, yeah. We never can. Um, and I know that's not what he's asking here, yeah. but, um, I think this question is about how we live our lives in the moment. In other words, do we, whenever we're faced with a situation, is our default, like you were just talking about, to go to God and seek his guidance and try to figure out, okay, how, how should I handle this, God, and pray? 
or is our default to lash out and wait for things to get bad before we finally go, okay, God, things are bad now. I need your help. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, and I, this past week got a uh, Holly. She did a, a devotional mm-hmm. and she was talking about the difference. I loved this illustration. It was fantastic. The difference between, um, the thankfulness that Daniel had, mm-hmm. he was so thankful and the thankfulness that he had was came out of him in a way that he did what God wanted him to do no matter what. Mm-hmm. And he was, he, he showed his thankfulness that way. Now Jonah was thankful too, but Jonah wasn't thankful until after he spent three days in the belly of the fish, mm-hmm. right? And so the question is, are you like Daniel? Or are you like Jonah and do you need the three days? You know, Daniel did the right thing without having to be prompted, right? Mm -hmm. Now that led to some other consequences, but he did the right thing without having to be prompted. Jonah didn't do the right thing until God made a point with him. And the question is, on which end of that, who are you? Are you a Daniel or Jonah? Unfortunately, I'm very often a Jonah. Um, I think I'm more of a Daniel than I used to be. And I think that's the important thing. I think, you know, are we, are we learning? from those Jonah moments. And if not, I'm convinced God will continue to give us Jonah moments. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of, it's kind of the thing that we talked about a few weeks back is, are we thankful on the mountaintops? Mm-hmm. Are we staying close to God on the mountaintops? That's very convicting for me to say it. Yeah. Um, but if, if you are, then the chances, I think, of, I think if you're not thankful on the mountaintops, a valley's not far behind. That's a good point. You know, we, we talked about the gentleman that we were listening to on a podcast and he was just in a, in a pit and God had him just dragging him through some mud and he said, God, take this away from me. And God said, why in the world would I do that? Mm-hmm. We haven't been this close in years. That was very impactful to me. Yeah. Um, because so many times that's that's where we are. We won't we won't out of the valley, and when we get out, we never even give God so much as a thank you. Yeah, we just move on. Mm. And that's convicting. Yeah. Last question: What are you doing to challenge your spiritual and physical journey? Are they related to each other? Of course, I'm always challenging myself physically, right? Um, but I don't know that I've really thought about challenge myself spiritually. Do I challenge myself spiritually? And the more I thought about it, the more I realized I, I do. I think mm-hmm. it's my personality to kind of challenge myself in different ways. And, um, you know, reading through the Bible in a year, you know, is, is kind of a challenge. Um, we're up to almost day 300 now. Mm-hmm. And that's been, that's been a challenge. And so I think there's, I, I challenge myself a lot of times in my Sunday school class, um, with whatever we're talking about in that class. Um, I, I think I do challenge myself spiritually in, in different ways. Um, and that's the only way. If I don't challenge myself, I don't get better. Yeah. And I'm definitely better. So obviously I have challenged myself. Well, and the only way to do both of those things is doing uncomfortable things. Yeah. I think challenged by, I mean, challenge is obviously uncomfortableness. Um, but that is not, that is not our default. Our default is comfort. Right. Our default is let's find that easy button. Mm-hmm. Um, but God, God wants us to get uncomfortable. That's where growth happens is, is uncomfortable. Yeah. Yep. Would you like to experience the Bible in a different way than you've ever done before? 
Well, you can join me, Coach Dean, as I read through the entire Bible every day for a full year. You don't want to miss hearing this transplanted Southern boy try to pronounce those biblical names now, do you? It may be good for a laugh. In addition, I share running and walking tips and some inspirational quotes along the way. Get your daily dose of the Bible from a runner's perspective in the Run for God Run Club Walk Through the Bible. You must be a member of the Run Club to get access. So if you're not a member, join today. If you are a member, just find a Walk Through the Bible under the Nationwide Challenge. All right, we're back. Well, don't you always wonder what the next training breakthrough will be? I was listening to a podcast recently and they were talking about this. This is really interesting. Tata Consultancy Services, or TCS, I believe they, they're the ones that sponsor the New York City Marathon, um, is using the virtual world to clone somebody's heart. So what they're doing is they're taking Des Linden, who is, uh, she just broke the uh, master's record. She just ran 227 for a 40-year-old. Um, that's incredible. Wow. Uh, but she, uh, what they do is they make a digital replica of her heart and then they subject that digital body to different training stimuluses, to different, um, um, foods and things like that, nutritional things, and then see how her body reacts to that in the digital world. And then supposedly that translates to physically making better choices in what you do with your diet and with your training and with all the other things. So I don't, what do you think about that? I'm a little skeptical. I don't like it, <laughs> which is usually my default answer on anything that, that kind of goes down this road. I, I think I don't really understand the purpose. I mean, if Des eats McDonald's every day for a year, her running is going to suffer if she eats Fruits and vegetables every day for a year. Her running is going to improve. I don't. Well, for for these kind of athletes, though, you're talking about getting down into the nitty gritty and going, okay, is it? You know, what's the difference between me eating? But I uh, don't understand how they can how, how they can actually do that. I mean, every that's my point. The, the complexities of what God has done inside our body <laughs> can't be replicated on a computer. We've been trying for years. We've we've gotten pretty close. Yep. As of late, it seems, but uh, it's never going to be replicatable in the digital world. I mean, yep. everybody minutely metabolizes things different, and we think different. And that, That's why I'm skeptical for yeah. that very reason, because yeah. I just don't see any way for you to be able to replicate. Yeah, how. I mean, there's already been. Um, it's not diet companies, food. I'm thinking it's not Weight Watchers, but companies like Weight Watchers where they're letting AI prescribe meal plans. Yeah. Have you heard about this? No. And these AI, I mean, they're subscribing to these services and having these meal plans and it's spitting out these crazy, insanely unhealthy at that meal plans. And it's because they're letting a computer generate all this and there's no, there's no set of eyes on the, on the back side of it. So if it's AI generated and then it's proofed by human eyes, is it really AI? Yeah, that's true. I don't think it is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think the most important thing that we have to work on is not in our physical bodies. I really think the most improvement we can make is in that what, um, 
Tim Noakes calls the central governor, mm-hmm. um, our brain. I think that's, that's, and there's no way that we can replicate what our brain does, thinks, or, or anything. Sure. Because that's, and I think that's the, of course, maybe there's a placebo effect. If you think that using this, it may help your brain, right? In, in, in that effect. I don't know, but it's, I don't know. It's an interesting thing. Um, I would be interested to see if there's a way for them to figure out how can, you know, the, the thing that limits the amount of physical activity you can do is the number of muscle fibers you can recruit motor mm-hmm. units. And if you can increase the percentage of motor units that you can recruit at any one time, then you would it be, you would be faster, better, more endurance. You'd, you'd be able to do things better. Um, if they could figure that out, then maybe, maybe that would be a huge hack. I don't mm-hmm. know, but until then. I'm skeptical. Yeah. All right. It's a time for Dean's thoughts. And that's a time when I share something I've written about the intersection between running and faith. Well, this week is about a reframe. Have you ever given up before you started? I would have said no in the past, but I rethought about it. This one's called just enough to get started. Have you ever had one of those days when you wrestled in your mind with running or not running? We all have. I've only missed one day in over 4,400 days and have had those thoughts, so I know everyone else has them. Do you know what keeps me going? I don't want to give up before I start. If you have ever decided not to run, you have given up before you ever gave it a chance. After all, you may have an idea of how you will feel, but we've all had those days when we feel better than we thought after we start running. So why give up before we start? By way of full confession, there are days when I go out the door with full intentions to run eight miles only to cut it it short and run five or six. I've put the running clothes on, taken that first step, and found I felt worse than I thought I would. That happens too. The difference is that I still ran. Have you ever considered going out to run and see how you feel instead of giving up before you even start? You may be surprised what you find out about yourself if you will. As a matter of fact, if you will commit to that first mile, I guarantee you will have some runs that feel good even though you don't think they will. And in the end, you'll feel far better about yourself and your ability to follow through, not just with your running, but in other areas of your life too. In the book of 1 Samuel chapter 11, there's a story about a city named Jabesh. They wanted to give up. As a matter of fact, they were so committed to giving up that they had agreed to have their right eyes gouged out just so they could reach a treaty with their oppressors, the Ammonites. In other words, they were giving up. But they decided to try one last thing. They sent a message to Saul at Gibeah to tell him about their circumstances, hoping that he could do something about it. Of course, Saul sent his men to take care of the Ammonites, and Jabesh was saved. That last effort to send out the message paid off. Sometimes we just need to use the last of our energy to get out the door and start the run. It always amazes me how badly I can feel when I begin a run only to find myself running fairly comfortably 10 minutes later. But I would never have experienced it if I hadn't forced myself out the door. Sometimes our greatest victories lie in using the last bit of energy we have to get started. The men of Jabesh were tired of the fighting, so tired they were willing to be maimed to make it stop. But they used their last bit of energy to reach out for reinforcements, and it paid off. 
I think God wants to see our commitment before he sends his help, even if we're down to our last request. The next time you have trouble finding the energy to run, don't worry about having the energy to complete the run. Just tell yourself you have enough to get started and you just might find you have enough to finish. It's a great story, Dean. Yeah, I don't know how many times I've headed out the door thinking this is going to be a train wreck. Yep. And I've always told people that first mile, just chalk that up as horrible. Yep. Um, because many times that was, that's what it is. But there's also been times that I've headed out the door thinking this is going to be incredible only to get a mile in and realize, uh, this is going to be terrible. Yeah. So it's funny how that happens. Yeah. It goes both uh, ways for sure. Well, I listen to a guy who talks about, he, he talks about a lot of these reframe things and he says one of the things that he, discovered early about working out and he's a fitness kind of a fitness fanatic i guess you'd say or consistent in his fitness journey and he says that what he does is on those days when he doesn't feel like it he goes ahead and puts his workout clothes on anyway Mm -hmm. and he says very often just the act of putting on your workout clothes makes you feel differently about going out there and doing it so sometimes it may be just put on your running clothes put on your running shoes and it's funny there's times where like Sometimes I'll put on my running clothes, um, and my intention is to do something else before I go run, but the default is I have my running clothes on, and I go out the door, and I get a mile or two into my run and go, oh, I was going to take care of that other thing mm-hmm. before before I ran. I'll take care of it when I get home. Yeah. Because your body just follows through on that once you get started. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's a good way to just just go ahead and get started. And um, And what we're talking about here is just one step further than that, right? Get the run, the walk, get it started, and you'll find out you got more energy than you thought you did. Um, and you may not feel great. So what? Hmm. So do end. you have more, do you think you have more runs that you think are going to start good and end up bad? Or do you have more runs that you think are going to bad and wind up good? They wind up good. What do you think's the mixture there? I probably have more runs that feel like they're going to be bad and they turn out good than the yeah. other way around. I would say, uh, although the older I get, the more accurate I am about not feeling the body is just harder to get. But I've always been amazed at how sometimes the first quarter mile can just my breathing mm. is out of control. Mm. My legs hurt so bad right. that I just feel like I can't hardly hold myself up. And then I run eight miles and, and it's at a decent pace. And that first mile was slow, but things just kind of got oiled up and and. I've always been amazed at those runs. Uh, and I think uh, and we, we need to call these things out because I think there's so many people out there that they think, oh, well, my thing is unique. Yeah. And they're probably not unique. Let's let's go through what we think are the five top things that people use for saying, oh, this is going to be a bad run only for it to wind up being a good. I think things like I didn't get enough sleep last night. Mm hmm. I've had a long, hard day. I've been on my feet all day. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a big lunch. Yeah, my, my stomach getting up for this. What What do you think of the other ones? That's that's. I think that's my top three. Yeah. Um. I I don't have time. It's yeah, always, that's probably number one. Is always that's the, probably number one. Yeah. Uh, that's always the thing that prevents. Just look at your screen time on your phone. Yeah. And you'll find out you have time. You got time. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. That, I, yeah. That would be number one. Yeah. I don't know. I think people out there a lot of times, cause I know I've been in this boat where you think, oh, well, this is kind of unique to me. So I'm going to, 
I'm going to yeah. mail it in today. It's not unique. No, we all have it. Yeah. Like I said, I, I mean, and I'm, you may do that run and it may be a horrible run, but guess what? Even at the end of that run, it's going to be satisfying that you got it done. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I mentioned in there that, you know, I've run 4,399 out of the last 4,400 days. And, um, there have been a lot of those days, a lot of those days. Um, the, when you see somebody who has a running streak like that, just know mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not always easy. Yeah. And, uh, it just takes a little bit of intestinal fortitude to go ahead and get on out there. And a lot of times what we're doing is we're willing to settle for less. You know, that's what this comes down to is being willing to settle for less when we get tired. Like I think about the end of a marathon. You know how it is. You get, you get to mile 23, 24, and all you want to see is a finish line. You don't care that you've slowed down and, and that you're struggling. It's just, I just want to get to the finish line. I don't care. And, uh, that's kind of the way we get in our general life sometimes, like we're at the end of a marathon, but we're not at the end of a marathon. At but you got to mar- remember the last 400 meters of that marathon. What happens? Yeah. What happens when you hear the crowd, you see the lights, you see the finish line? What happens? All of a sudden you have this energy. So did you get more rest all of a sudden? Nope. Did you stretch more all of a sudden? What what happened? You talked about the central. What'd you call it? The central, central governor. Central governor. Yep. The central. The governor. only thing that changed. Yep. Was your outlook. That's right. That's right. Mm. Yeah. Don't don't settle. Don't don't give in. Um, I know that you know from a spiritual standpoint the cult the 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 culture, um, the battles that we face culturally sometimes can be so tiresome, mm-hmm. and you don't want to get out there, and you don't. It's where uh, it's where where we get where we are is a lot of times people get tired of fighting those battles and they just give in. Sure, don't give in, don't give yeah. in. There's there's energy out there for that battle. Um, sometimes you have to get way outside your comfort zone to get there, but you can do that. Um, and again, like we said, prob- time is, is the number one thing. But again, I can't help but think about Martin Luther and his quote when he said, I have so much to do that I shall spend the first three hours in prayer. The idea that we don't have time is just, it's just not a, it's not a good one. Not sure. a good one. We, we should get out there and get it done. You know that moment when you're running? And you settle into that perfect pace. And then the next song comes on. Don't let that happen again. With the new J Radio, you can trust us to make sure that the next song in your playlist will help you keep up that pace. Check out the Radio Active Station on J Radio for all different genres of workout music handpicked for you while you run. Start listening now at JRadio.com. Every week I share a reason why running and or walking is so awesome. And here's what I think this week. The race never ends. You know, when you reach a finish line, um, it is a finish line, but you're not done. You know, there's still more running to be done. There's still more walking to be done. That's right. So uh, we may run that marathon, but then we're going to take a few days off and we're going to go, what's next? Right. Um, And we're. Run for God, we've always been about doing more. It's, it's from the 5K to the 10K to the half marathon to the marathon. The run club, you know, is the next step. It keeps us going. Um, it reminds me of a quote 
I shared a couple of weeks ago. The race is not always to the swift, but to those who keep on running. Again, there is no finish line. All right. Well, there's a sad story coming out of Kenya um, this past week. Titus Akiru, he's the number six fastest marathoner of all time, tested positive for performance-enhancing drugs. And not only that, but they also caught him trying to cover it up along with a doctor. And so he's been banned for 10 years. So he's pretty much done yeah. with his running. And it's sad to see so many of these uh, Kenyans being popped over the last few years for, for drugs. Um, but the positive side of that, and I, I think there's a silver lining in this, because I think they're, Kenya is working really, really hard to try to weed out these folks that are doing things they shouldn't be doing. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's a good thing. So uh, whenever you hear that, I, I, I try to look at the positive side of that. You know, I used to be a big baseball fan, but. I look back at the the era of the steroids when mm-hmm. when everybody knew what was going on, but everybody was just turning their head the other way. And then baseball finally got serious about it. And now baseball is probably a better sport today sure. because of that. Is it as exciting with it? You know, when somebody can't hit seventy two home runs, no, but um, but it's a more honest game. Right. Um, and so, uh, hopefully, we're catching this early, and we're not going to get to that point where it's like the. Like like baseball was at one time when it was when it was um, frustrating. Um, well, it's cross country season. Things are heating up from a cross country standpoint. This past week was the Nutty Comb Invitational. It's probably the most prestigious cross country race of the year. It's up in Wisconsin, um, and and they have this every year. And most of the best teams in the country are there. I think I don't remember what it was, but it was like. Like 18 of the top 25 teams or something, you know, just the majority of the best teams in the country show up. And, um, Northern Arizona is crushing it. You know, the guys have won six of the last seven, six, six of the last seven years. They've won the national championship. So they're, it's no surprise that they're ranked number one, but the women of Northern Arizona are now the number one ranked team. Hmm. They've never been ranked number one, I don't think. And so they're, um, what happened was that, you know, this whole new thing about how, you know, kids can, can go from one school to the next very easily. They wound up with three girls from, uh, the University of New Mexico and the University of New Mexico had one of the top programs in the country. And so, um, they, they're the number one team right now. They're right. Number what one. What is the rule? What it, what do you, I, I don't, I don't know if I know what you're talking about. The well, rule where they can go one school to the next. Yeah. You know, it used to be that you, you couldn't. You could, if you transferred from one school to another school, you had to sit out a year. Oh, you lost a year. Okay. Yeah. I you got don't, you. I got you don't you. lose I got that you. anymore. I got you. Um, now they can compete. So, uh, they're doing it hmm. and more often now. We see it in the other sports too. Sure. If you're a college football fan. You know, you've seen it happen yeah. in college football. Um, but anyway, uh, they're, they're number one. They're actually ranked ahead of NC State now. NC State is two time defending champion. And, um, I think. My opinion, NC State's going to get the last laugh. I think NC State's still going to win the NCAA title. Um, you got Caitlin Tuey there, and I think she's going to be – I think she'll win it, although Parker Valby handed her a pretty good defeat here at the, at the Nuttycomb. She actually set the course record at Nuttycomb, um, and it was raining that day. So it was a little bit of a slick course, and she still ran faster uh, than anybody had ever run there before. And, uh, so it was, it was pretty impressive. Parker Valby's from Florida. Um, and it's really cool to watch these two ladies battle each other because their training methods are completely different. Uh, 
Caitlin Tui, Tui is a traditional, fairly high mileage, traditional type training person. And Parker Valby is a very low mileage. Um, she tended in, in her early years to get injured fairly quickly. And so they, they, her mileage is very low, but she spends a lot of time doing other things, supplementing her running, mm-hmm. which Caitlin Tui doesn't do as much supplemental sure. stuff. Um, so it's interesting to see those two mm-hmm. battling with each other. Um, and we've said it before. There's no magic in a plan. Um, it's, it's a lot of times it's the way we get there. Uh, but there is magic in figuring out how individually you get somebody from one place to another, how we individually, the the different things that we do, what's best for me is different than what's best for you. Mm -hmm. And, um, figuring that out is probably the toughest thing in the world. Sure. So. Valby mania, they call it on the let's run message boards. Valby mania. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. We have a trivia question for this week. Is it true that the more you run, the better your immune system works? Is that a true statement? The more you run, the better your immune system works. Hmm. If you know the answer to that question, Send it to dean at runforgod.com. Be the first person to answer and you will win $20 off in the Run for God store. So that's an interesting, intriguing question, mm-hmm. don't you think? It's a good one. All right. I'm going to leave you with this motivational thought of the week. It comes from Ricky Rogers. She's a writer. She said, uh, strength doesn't come from what you can do. It comes from overcoming the things you once thought you couldn't. Mm. Pretty good, huh? Doing hard things. Um, that's the basis for how we grow physically, mentally, and spiritually. So, uh, over, over, it, it, it's, that's where strength comes from. Yeah. Doing hard things, right? Do hard things. Do hard things. All right. We are down 188 Run Club episodes. Crazy. Seems crazy, but we so appreciate you listening. Make sure that you're sharing our podcast. Remember, we still have that goal of 100,000 downloads by the end of the year. We're a little behind that goal right now, mm-hmm. so we we got to have a good finish to the year to get there. So uh, help us out, and uh, hopefully we'll get there. All right. Until next week, may God bless every step of every run and or walk. Go out there and shine your light. Good job, Dean. information about the Run for God ministry, go to runforgod.com. If you have questions about your salvation, click on the Peace with God tab. There's nothing more important. Thanks for joining us today.